0: Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts as usual, Jeff, and uh, across the table from me up the coast a little bit is my usual co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how are you doing?
1: It's going good, man. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, There's international baseball. There's uh, both the National League, American League. Everything's going on. Lots of uh, close pennant races and trades. We're down to the trade deadline. I'm loving life right now.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot of news. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get right into this episode, because the first thing on my list here is about Olympic baseball. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, but they have a bullpen cart at the Olympics.
1: No way. Yep.
0: And it, I hadn't noticed it's really freaking awesome. No roof. It's it's open air LED screen on the grill on the front that plays messages the the pitcher comes in you know those big seats that are baseball gloves they're like huge baseball gloves that you sit in yeah. yeah that's what the pitcher sits in in the back of this thing there is they put their feet on some astroturf that's got a diamond at their feet. Oh, uh, nice. It's chauffeured, of course. It, it kind of looks like a limousine. It's chauffeured and the person driving, you know, on an RV or a, a semi truck, how they've got those huge mirrors that stick out all the way to this, you know? Oh, yeah. For some reason, it's got mirrors like that, like it's an RV, like they're going to be aware if somebody's coming up on their blind spot or something. But it is essentially a limo. In baseball form. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I hope you see it. Like, you could literally fit an entire prom party in this thing where, you know, <laughs> you drive, you go to McDonald's in the drive-thru in your tux and your dresses in this thing. It's awesome. I love it. We need more of this. Of course, uh, let's just continue with some baseball history because uh, a couple of teams made history this last week. The Tigers and the Twins... Apparently, uh, gave way to the uh, Lions and the Vikings. They played a football game. The Tigers yeah. beat the Twins seventeen to fourteen, and it was uh, it was on a fifty three yard field goal as time expired.
1: Amazing uh, comeback win! It was so impressive. And uh, who who got the most yards that game?
0: You are going to ask me to name a football player?
1: Um, Steve.
0: Uh, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders did it. <laughs> Barry, of course. Barry Sanders did it. There you go. Uh, this game was—it was, uh, was kind of weird. So in this game, the Twins, without Nelson Cruz anymore, mind you, became the first team in Major League history to out homer their opponents seven to nothing and lose.
1: <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, that was a—that was a fun one.
0: Yeah, I I maybe worded that wrong. I have written down they out homered their opponent by seven. So I'm not sure. Maybe Minnesota had a home run or two, but but Detroit had more. So uh, or at least Minnesota had more. I'm see I'm getting myself messed up. But also on the flip side of this, the Detroit Tigers became the first team in Major League history to be out homered by seven and win. So see, it goes both ways.
1: (laughs) Wow i guess so yeah that's pretty funny
0: i wonder what the time of uh the time of that game was i could not oh, have been man. quick i don't want to know and with those two teams there might have been like eight people in the stand if anybody stuck around for that whole game they deserve a medal <laughs>
1: yes wednesday was uh all baseball all day for those poor people
0: yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even a doubleheader. lars Newtbar, i got nothing he is not no? seen he I don't know if he's in the doghouse. I don't know if uh he's some sort of rule 5. You can't trade anybody on rule 5, can you? In the middle of the season. So I, I is he out of uh, is he out of options and they don't want to lose him? I don't know. He's not playing and it's very disturbing.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's upsetting for the show. We might have to throw out a, an SOS or maybe get the uh, search and rescue guys.
0: Yeah, who's who's the uh who's the Cardinals' manager? Schilt? or something like that. I'm, listen, I'm watching the Reds. That's that's m- my entirety of the National League Central that I know is I watch Reds games now. I don't, I don't know everybody else there. Well, I don't know when we're going to have... So I'm going on a holiday, so we're recording two shows this week. So there's not going to be a Lars Newtbar update next week. Just that's right. Everybody, you're going to have to look it up yourself. This show, though, is debuting on August 3rd. Now, I looked at the debuts on August 3rd, and there were many of them, but nobody really of of significance that I felt like we needed. There were no Hall of Famers, nobody that I felt we needed to talk about in depth. So I wanted to give you a couple of dates that there are actual significant number of debuts. March 28th, 2019. Listen to this. So this was what, two years ago, Pete Alonso, Fernando Tetis Jr. and Eloy Eminez all made their debuts. That's pretty impressive. Wow. I mean, I th- I'm assuming that that was opening day, March
1: 28th. Three all-stars. As a card collector, that's, that's a big release. Those are three of the biggest cards there are right now. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh,
0: did you know that Ichiro and Albert Puholz debuted on the exact same day?
1: i didn't know that either
0: april 2nd 2001 which again i'm assuming was opening day i I think i found what could be the greatest of all debut days of of every day april 17th on that day throughout the years 11 different hall of famers have made their debut on april 17th obviously not all in the same year but on that day in different years 11 different hall of famers made their debuts
1: Pretty impressive. That's pretty imp- there.
0: Uh, just a couple of the names that made their debut on a April 17th. Jim Palmer, Frank Robinson, Don Drysdale, Roberto Cabente, Mickey Mantle, Duke Schneider, Joe Tinker, and Red Schoendist. So, I mean, those are some big, big names that have made their we've debut. Heard a couple of those guys, yeah. Maybe we've talked about a couple of them.
1: April 17th. Maybe we should make that a holiday.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Hall
1: of Fame debut day.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say they should they should induct people then, but that's right at the beginning of the season, so we'll just yeah. mark it some other way. There are though four other days where seven or more Hall of Famers debuted, but that the April seventeenth is the granddaddy of them all. So April fifteenth, nine players made their debut. Actually here's one. September tenth, nine players made their debut.
1: September call up, guys.
0: Well the thing is the most modern is Fergie Jenkins in 1965. I'm not sure that they had expanded rosters then. Hmm. That's weird. Also, Lou Brock, Lou Appling, Burley Grimes, he of the last uh, spitballer, Rogers Hornsby. I mean, big names. That's that's an odd date to to have that happen. It's weird how some of those uh, some of those dates kind of get bunched together. Uh, So we got to head into trivia and this is going to be a mess. I'm just going to warn you. (laughs) okay so last week last week we did some things uh where we let the listeners uh that we we felt like we kind of owed a couple of people some some things uh because maybe we misspoke maybe we forgot to to mention their names uh or they just felt like doing something nice and sending us some baseball cards well uh one of those things we did is that we let a listener come up with a trivia question and it was a great trivia question i think though the wording was just a little bit off on this so last week one of our listeners brian kraus gave us a question and it was who is the only player to have their first career hit be an inside the park home run now uh, we were provided an answer i looked it up i confirmed absolutely it is correct Uh, But then I started getting answers from other people and they were all different. I looked them up and they were correct as well. (laughs) So there is more than just one person that had their first career hit being inside the park home run. The answer that we were given was Butch Henry, which is odd because he's a pitcher. But he did Houston Astros in 1992. He had his first hit be a inside the park home run. Happened to be his only career home run, too so i'm wondering if that might have been the way we should have worded that is who is the only person to have their first career hit be their one and only home run which also happened to be an inside the park home run that makes
1: sense okay we've
0: got we've got other players here and believe it or not and we are recording this kind of early we had somebody give us all the correct answers too. one of our trivia gurus chris cook our, our St. Louis fan. Maybe everybody just follow him, and he'll update you on Lars Newtbar because he's a Cardinals fan. Uh, other names that did it: Johnny LeMaster, who is the first baseball card I ever owned. He did it in 1975. Okay. Luke Stewart did it. Walter Mueller and Mark Sagmon.
1: Oh, Mark Sagmon. That's the only one I really recognize. Yeah.
0: Now I I, I looked that up, and I he's a contemporary player. A newer player. I've never heard of him, though. He did it. I'm beginning to think, though, that this isn't isn't so uncommon to have your first career hit being inside the park home run, because there's a lot of people that did it. I want to talk about quickly, though, Walter Mueller. Uh, Walter Mueller played in the 1920s. He only played for four years. But the reason I want to mention him is uh, because the very first pitch he ever saw in the big leagues, he hit it for an inside the park home run in 1922. And it came off of none other than Grover Cleveland Alexander. Wow. That's you know that's impressive. Something to do a Hall of Famer there. Mueller also was the only pirate to ever accomplish hitting a home run on the first pitch he had ever seen in the big leagues until Starling Marte did it in 2012. What what's that 90 years in between wow. that happening for the Bucs.
1: So it's a rare occurrence it is a rare
0: occurrence yeah a little bit yeah. and, and Martez was not an inside the parker well bummer Mueller was also the father of don Mueller, who pitched for the uh, new york giants for quite some time or not he didn't pitch he was a uh a right fielder excuse me led the league in hits one year had a pretty good career won an all uh won a world series and a uh, two-time all-star as well if you come up with any more, let me know because I found several articles where they would list people that did this and they didn't always list everybody like Butch Henry was not in any of those articles, but I looked it up and he most definitely hit a home run for his first major league hit. And it wasn't inside the Parker. There you go. Hmm. I got a new question for this week. Uh, last week, we talked about Pete and and John Olrood as a couple of the guys who went straight to the majors after being drafted. Didn't, go to the minors first uh, since that major league baseball draft was instituted in 1965 who is the only player to go straight from the draft to the big leagues and then become a hall of famer Ooh. now i think i think people should get this one i think this one is 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 eminently answerable you just got to think about it for a while it's uh, somebody that we've talked about quite a bit on this show obviously because it has to be between 1965 and now and they have to be in the hall of fame so kind of narrows i think i
1: got it i'm not going to say it but i think i got it okay
0: okay mark so we've just made it through the trade deadline uh it happened uh, last week and a lot of trades a lot of trades have already happened we we're recording this before the actual deadline i'm sure it's going to be continue to be crazy up through that deadline I wanted to talk about uh, some trades in baseball history that didn't work out so well. Uh, I wanna talk about some of the worst trades in baseball history, and it's kinda hard to talk about that because it may be a bad trade for one team, but for the other team involved, it could be the best trade in the franchise's history. So, for example, we talk about the Ryan Sandberg for Yvonne DeJesus trade. Awful trade for the Phillies, right? But for the Cubs, it was fantastic. So it's kind of yes. hard to kind of hard to measure these. So let's just go through. I've got like 10 or, or 12 of these, and uh, some of these players are, are fun to talk about in some of these trades. So let's talk about some of the worst trades in Major League Baseball history. So we're going to go chronologically here, and we're going to start with something that we've talked about plenty of times before. 1919, Babe Ruth sold to the Yankees from the Boston Red Sox for 100
1: You finance a musical.
0: Well, yeah, somewhat. So (laughs) we did a thing on this before. Red Sox owner, Harry Frazee, uh, was into theater. But Ruth was actually not sold specifically to finance No-No Nanette. Frazee just wanted money. (laughs) And again, (laughs) it should be mentioned that if you do want to assign No-No Nanette to the Ruth trade, No-No Nanette was a very very successful production and made a lot of people a lot of money. But really, Frazee just cared about money more than he did baseball, and he wanted money so that he could finance theater activities.
1: See, yes.
0: I don't I did not know this. I'm not sure if if we've talked about it and I forgot or or what, but the White Sox actually had offered up $60,000 and Shoeless Joe Jackson for Babe Ruth. Really? Yeah, but Frazee instead took the hundred thousand because, again, he was just looking for money, and that's forty thousand dollars more than uh, than wow. sixty. Just think about that, though, because this was before the nineteen nineteen season. So if that trade is made, Shoeless Joe goes to the Yankees. None of this Black Sox shenanigans is attached to his name, if it even happens at all, because who says that the White Sox make the World Series without Shoeless Joe? Literally could have changed. I mean, this could have changed baseball history, period. Babe Ruth ends up in Chicago. Shoeless Joe's in New York. Who knows? The Earth might have exploded. We might not even be here. Alternate universe, if this would have
1: happened. It is. It's a Marvel alternate universe completely and totally. To think about that is amazing. You know, what if the Black Sox scandal still does attempt to go down? Does Babe Ruth uh, reject it and come out Superman? Or does he say, yeah, I don't mind making a few extra bucks?
0: Yeah. I mean, it is so, it, it kind of boggled my mind when I read that. Like, what if that would have happened? That would have been absolutely incredible. Who knows? Everything. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it it literally could have changed everything. Uh, Baseball might not exist as we know it today. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All right. My next one is uh, 20 years down the road from the the blowing our mind with uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson in 1919. In 1939, another Red Sox deal. The Red Sox were kind of the the Mariners of the the early 1900s with these trades. Uh, 1939, Red Sox sent Pee Wee Reese to the Dodgers for pitcher Red Evans and $35,000. Evans went 1-8 with a 5.18 ERA for the year and then was out of the big leagues forever. Pee Wee Reese, of course, went on to be Pee Wee Reese, Hall of Famer, friend of Jackie Robinson member of those Brooklyn Dodger teams. Essentially, it was Pee Wee Reese for $35,000.
1: Wow. Good deal. also about Pee Wee Reese, the only Hall of Famer whose first name is P.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know how to break this to you, but that was not his real first name.
1: Wait, what? How come I learned this stuff so late?
0: Harold Henry Reese, a.k.a. The Little Colonel, a.k.a. Pee Wee. How tall do you think Pee
1: Wee was? Uh, one foot eight. In, in cleats. No, I don't know. Five eight. He was five ten, 160 okay. pounds. So he's taller than me. So that makes me less than Pee Wee. You're just wee. You're wee. I'm just wee. I'm a wee little man. <laughs> hey, if it's not Scottish. It's crap.
0: Right. All right. So uh, next one on the books, let's jump forward to 1964. The Lou Brock for Ernie Brolio. Oh, I know this one. Yeah, this was this is a big one. 1964, as I said, a six player deal. Lou Brock, Jack Spring and Paul Toff were traded from the Chicago Cubs to the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for Ernie Brolio, Bobby Shantz and Doug Clemens. Lou Brock, of course, Hall of Famer, stolen base expert. He hit 348 for the Cardinals, led them to the World Series titles in 1964, 1967, a pennant in 68. He amassed 3,023 hits and 938 stolen bases and a route to being elected into the Hall of Fame in 1985. Meanwhile, Brolio went four for seven with a 4.0 ERA for the Cubs and by 1966 was out of the major leagues. Those other guys really didn't really do anything, obviously. I think Bobby Shantz is the only other name there that has any kind of recognition, at least for me. Yeah. So this trade is often referred to as the most lopsided trade in baseball history. The Emile Verban Society, which is an association of Cubs fans in Washington, DC. This group includes national political leaders and journalists. They occasionally recognize bad decision making by awarding uh, a decision with a Brock for Brolio judgment award. <laughs> so, for example, they presented to Saddam Hussein, not in person, obviously, a Brock for Brolio judgment award for his decision to invade Kuwait in
1: 1990. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I got um, a buddy who that, was, that maybe I can get him to declare his marriage. And, no, I'm sorry. That was bad.
0: I was going to say I, I, I if any of these members of this society learn about this podcast they might present us with that award. I'm not sure yet.
1: <laughs> My life deserves it, I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move forward to 1977. The trade this one was dubbed. This is where we start getting uh, getting trades given names. This one was called the Midnight Massacre. The Mets received Doug Flynn, Pat Zachary, Steve Henderson and Dan Norman from the Reds for Tom Seaver. Tom terrific at this point would go 113 and 81 with a 3.37 ERA while pitching eight more full seasons following the trade. The reason he was traded, the Reds thought he was done. He still obviously had some more left in him.
1: Just a little, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now we get into something that might be a little painful for you. We're going to start getting into the Mariner years.
1: Yeah, there's a few of these. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So 1996, we did a whole thing on this at one point. 1996, the Mariners made a trade with the Twins for then third baseman Dave Hollins. And uh, all the Twins got uh, in return was a player to be named later. Of course, that player to be named later was David Arias, a.k.a. Big Poppy, David Ortiz.
1: He was only David Arias when we had him. Yeah,
0: yeah, D- Arias. I think I said Aries. Arias, yeah. Of course, Big Poppy was only on the Twins for, for a little bit of time, a couple of years, and then he went to, to Boston and obviously won a lot of awards, World Series, and became Big Poppy. What Became one of those guys that transcended baseball. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people that don't watch baseball still knew who he was.
1: Yeah, he was right place, right time, right personality, and a darn good hitter.
0: Yeah, he's got a great personality, a big smile. Uh, okay, I got another one here for you. Uh, July thirty first, nineteen ninety seven. The aforementioned Seattle Mariners trade Derek Lowe and Jason Veritek oh. to the Red Sox for Heathcliff Slocum. If you got him,
1: I, I, I don't want to talk about this one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Derek Lowe was a very good pitcher, but I yes, think the, it was. I think the, the the key here is Jason Veritek who was on the Red Sox forever, was the captain of the Red Sox and really kind of the heartbeat of those those teams, shoving a glove in A Rod's face and just, you know, being I kind of think he and maybe you could argue with me here, I think he was the most respected player on that team.
1: He probably As was the captain, yeah, which is yeah. why he was captain.
0: Yeah. Um and, and the Mariners got Heathcliff Slocum.
1: Now, let me let me just point out, okay, one little positive from the Mariner side. Uh, it's not every day you get to trade two really good prospects for a guy named after a cartoon cat, okay?
0: <laughs> Heathcliff the cat.
1: Heathcliff and Marmaduke, you know, those guys. Oh,
0: yeah, and Marmaduke. I was thinking of top cat, but that's not. Dude, Duke that's up. been a
1: while. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> my, I've got a ton of this stuff in my head. None of it helps me at all earn any money, but i get a ton of this stuff. No. All right. So let's move on from the Mariners here for a little bit. And I want to talk about Fred McGriff, because if I'm looking at Fred McGriff's trade transactions, he was always undervalued by whoever was trading him. They never got enough for Fred McGriff. 1982, the Yankees traded Fred McGriff, Mike Morgan and Dave Collins to the Jays for Tom Dodd and Dale Murray, not Dale Murphy, Dale Murray
1: right oh those guys
0: <laughs> I it, it always takes me looking up his transactions to remember that McGriff was in the Yankees system because sure. I mean how how much would George Steinbrenner like to have gotten Prime McGriff years yeah I mean you've got you've got Don Mattingly there at first but you need a DH but uh, really not much in return and then do you remember the Padre's fire sale in 1993
1: oh absolutely yep
0: Yeah, that was when Fred McGriff was traded to the Atlanta Hammers for Melvin Nieves. Right. Of course, McGriff went on to help Atlanta be very successful. Not so much in the World Series as much as just, you know, dominate the National League uh, for many, for a decade. Right. Now let's move on to a Mariners trade that actually worked out. And I mean, there's, you know, I'm not going to mention the Randy Johnson because, sure, Randy Johnson probably... I don't know if, if I'd call him the best pitcher in Mariners history. I don't know if if he and in Felix Hernandez who who takes that title. But you know they traded him for Mark Langston. Yeah, and Mark Langston was a good pitcher. Went on to have a great career. So I, I wouldn't call that a I wouldn't call that a bad trade. But uh, this trade worked out well for the Mariners when they sent Ken Phelps to the Yankees for rookie Jay Buhner
1: the hell did you trade Jay Buhner for? He had 30 home runs and over 100
0: RBIs last year. He's got a rocket for an arm. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Well, Buner was a good prospect, no question about it. But my baseball people love Ken Phelps' bat. They kept saying, Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps. People keep t- telling, me Phelps. People telling me
1: Ken Phelps. My people keep telling me Ken Phelps.
0: Yeah, so that one worked out really well. I mean, Buehner obviously had a great career. With the uh, with the Mariners uh, made it to the all star team and was part of those teams that uh, saved baseball in Seattle and went to the playoffs. Was was he in the last team that the the Mariners made the playoffs with? I'm not sure. Ouch. Now, this one is going to sting for uh, another one that stings for Red Sox fans. Larry Anderson. Yes. In return for Jeff Bagwell. Yeah, that one. It just that's just not a good trade.
1: The Red Sox were hurting for relief really pitching, and Anderson was having an amazing year. And they had this third baseman to offer. He was a third baseman at the time. And it seemed like a good deal, and it certainly was for the Astros. <laughs> they picked up a nice little Hall of famer named uh, Jeff Bagwell.
0: Yeah, so, like, you know, there were a couple of other trades that, again, I did not, did not insert in here, like Doyle Alexander for John Smaltz. And the reason I didn't is because the Tigers at that point needed a a pitcher for the playoffs. And Doyle Alexander was great for them that year and helped them. So I'm I'm not counting that as a bad trade, even though obviously John Smoltz went on to a Hall of Fame career with uh, with Atlanta. This was not I mean, Larry Anderson, one of our favorites here. We love Larry Anderson. Great joker, uh, was a decent pitcher, but. You know, a straight up for Jeff Bagwell, Hall of Famer. That's, yeah. you got to count that as a bad trade. All right, the next year, 1991, Glenn Davis goes to the Orioles. And in return, the Astros get Kurt Schilling, Steve Finley, and Pete Harnish. All three went on to be all-stars. Davis suffered a neck injury and only ended up playing 49 games that season and never really regained his power stroke after that.
1: Yeah, Glenn Davis could hit. He was a, mm-hmm. he was a, he was a monster at the plate. Uh, when they dealt him, I remember thinking, well, because uh, I ain't no big Astros fan. And I was like, oh, man, you didn't, dealt away Glenn Davis. But it, uh, it worked out in our favor.
0: You get Kurt Schilling, who, you know, borderline Hall of Famer on the field. Steve Finley, who had an incredible career. Probably one of those, you know, Hall of very, very good players, Steve Finley. And Pete Harnish, who was an all-star and somebody I traded for in Strat every year.
1: Had a few good years.
0: Yeah he was a, he was a solid uh, a solid pitcher. Those are three well above average players that you get in return for one. All right, so now let's move on to another named trade. This one happened July 31st 1997 and it was dubbed the White Flag trade. The Chicago White Sox traded three major league players to the San Francisco Giants for six minor leaguers. At the time of the trade, the Sox were only three and a half games behind the Guardians in the American League Central. Three and a half games. At the end of July, there are two full months left in the season, but owner Jerry Reinsdorf defended the trade by saying, quote, anyone who thinks we can catch Cleveland is crazy. Three and a half games in two months. Okay. It. So the Giants. This was who they got. They got Wilson Alvarez, Danny Darwin, and Roberto Hernandez. Three really good pitchers. Mm -hmm. This is who the White Sox received. And these were all players in the minor leagues at this point. Keith Folk, Bobby Howry, both of whom went on to have really good careers. Lorenzo Barcelo, Ken Vining, Mike Caruso, and Brian Manning. Those four players were also included in the trade. That's all I can say about
1: them. <laughs> they were part of the trade. There <laughs> you have it.
0: <laughs> they did not go on. So, I mean, really, it 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 really seems like the Giants really swept this trade pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, Keith Folk did help the... I, so did Howery. Both of these guys closed at one point and, and did so well for those uh, late 90s, uh, early 2000s White Sox team, but... That was, I remember that trade because to to give up on your team being in second place and only three and a half out with two months left, I would be very upset as well if I were a White Sox fan.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't work for me.
0: Next, second to last trade, 1999, the Twins trade starting pitcher Jared Camp to the Marlins for Johan Santana. (laughs) Are you familiar with Jared Camp?
1: Not so much. I, I know the Johan dude. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah well the reason you're not familiar with uh jared camp is he never made the major leagues Ooh, ouch. johan santana however went on to win the cy young award twice a four-time all-star won the era title three times and won the pitching triple crown as well
1: so that's good right
0: <laughs> was, yeah that's really good uh santana though obviously of course I say, obviously, we know, of course, here that he he suffered injuries late in his career and uh, he only ended up playing for 12 years in the big league, still went 139 and 78 and uh, had a career ERA plus of 137. And looking at his page here, there is a lot of black ink here on this page, but he just never played long enough to really, I guess, get that Hall of Fame consideration.
1: Yeah, that's too bad, too, because he uh, he could be, uh, you know, he was always good, but he could absolutely be dominant, too.
0: Of course, Johan Santana threw a no hitter for the Mets, uh, became the yes. first uh, the first Met to ever throw a no hitter. All right. And then I just wanted the last one I wanted to mention took place recently. It's somebody we've already mentioned in this show during the debut segment. <laughs> Big game James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr., I think Big Game James is the biggest troll nickname ever because James Shields has never really been that great of a pitcher.
1: Uh, well, yeah, but uh, this for, for this Taddis guy, he's yeah. pretty good.
0: <laughs> let's see, I mean, let's look at Shane. I mean, he did lead the league in games started for three years consecutively. Let's give him that. And his last year in the big leagues, he did lead the league in losses. With sixteen, much better career than I had. We'll we'll give him we'll give him that. But uh, traded for uh, Eric Johnson and Fernando Tatis Jr. with cash. (laughs)
1: With cash. With cash. I hope it was plenty.
0: All right. So those uh, those are my uh, those are looking back on what I deemed the worst trades. Again, you know, some of them I had to had to see it from both both points of view that. They couldn't really be that bad, but some of these were just really bad trades. And I didn't even mention Von Hayes because I like Von Hayes. All right, Mark, so that wraps up the main portion of our show. It's now time to go into the final segment everybody's uh, favorite cardboard based gladiatorial combat. And we, we got that on our uh, curated packs last week, which is really cool. It is time for Wax
1: Packs. Wax back hero!
0: Gonna pull the wax! so we're underway, new season. I jumped out on opening day, I'm ahead one to nothing, and uh, we're ready to get right back into this. Uh, we both got our number two starters on the mound today. No off days, we're matching up well. Today, we are gonna open up some more recent cards, uh, some of these packs I bought. I've got two packs of 2008 Upper Deck cards. Nice. Very exciting, there could be an insert in one of these. But, uh, more than that, they are going to be newer players. Just to, if you're new here we do have some special rules what we're going to do is we are going to take the baseball reference war of the year of the cards so in this case 2008 we will add those together we do have some modifiers though that can help us uh, add on to that score if the player is wearing glasses anything around their eyes uh, funny nose and mustache glasses whatever even eye black, you're gonna get extra 10th of a point of war. If the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see, that means sanitaries are visible, you're gonna get extra 10th of a point of war, but if they are wearing those dreaded two and ones, we're gonna minus a 10th of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their caricature or their jersey number, you're gonna get an extra 10th of a point of war for each of those. If they won an award that year, that means Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, voted to the All-Star or won a gold glove, you're going to get an extra half a point award for each of those. If they are now in the Hall of Fame, you are going to get an extra whole point of war for them. And in a new rule, Mark and I are each going to pick a team. And if the uh, player plays on a team that you picked, you're going to get an extra half a point of war. But if the other player picks a player that's on the team that you chose, it's a minus half a point of war. And you cannot choose the same team week after week. So, Mark, last week you chose the Astros. Who are you going to go with this week?
1: Well, in honor of the most recent news, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland Guardians. There
0: might not be any Guardians in these packs since they're old.
1: Well, that's but... a good point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Then I'm going to play I'm going to play this game too and I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hammers. All right. For my for my uh, my team. So if I draw anybody from Atlanta, I'm going to get an extra half a point of war. But if you draw anybody from Atlanta, you're going to minus a half a point of war. All right. So this is week two. I won the first week. I've got two packs here, Mark, in my left hand and my right hand. Which one would you like? One right. You're going right. OK, I'm going to have you go first since I've got a hold of these. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, open these bad boys up. So these are, these are some good-looking cards. I mean, they're, they're upper decks, so of course they're going to be good-looking. But uh, you are going to start off with a pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. It is Aaron Cook.
1: Aaron Cook. Couldn't tell you a whole lot about him, man.
0: Well, he pitched for the Rockies for most of his career. He was in the big leagues for 11 years, 10 of which were in Colorado. One year, wow, in 2008, which is what we're looking at. He was an all-star. He went 16 and 9 with a 3.96 ERA, pitching half his games in course. Wow. That's pretty impressive right there.
1: No kidding.
0: Yeah, so let's see. He was an all-star this year, so you're going to get extra half a point right there. And uh, let's look at his WAR was a 4.4. So for a pitcher wow. from Colorado, that is a heck of a way to start out. <laughs>
1: No kidding, man.
0: Let's see, there's nothing else on this card that's going to get you any value, but that will start out with a 4.9, not bad.
1: Wow, he's one of only four Rockies pitchers to have won 11 games before the All-Star break through 2010.
0: Wow. Okay, moving on, your uh, next card is a second baseman for the Chicago White Sox, Josh Fields.
1: Yeah, I remember Josh Fields. Um, You're talking about the infielder, not the pitcher.
0: Correct. Second baseman here listed on the card. Josh Fields played for five years in the big leagues. Four of it was with the White Sox. Uh, Unfortunately, in 2008, he only appeared in 14 games. So not sure you're going to get a whole lot here. Nothing on this card is going to help you. And you have got a war of minus 0.5. Thanks a lot, Josh. Thanks a lot, Josh. Yeah.
1: Can I have the Josh Fields the pitcher instead?
0: (laughs) Let's move on to your next card. This is a guy I am very familiar with. He is with the Cardinals here. Outfielder Juan
1: Encarnacion. Everybody's got to like, Juan Encarnacion. He played for everybody at some point, I think. Yeah, I
0: think he did just about. Uh, he was on two World Series teams, though. I think, there you go. I think they were both in Florida. One with Florida and then one with St. Louis in 2006. So good for him. He's got a couple of rings. In uh, 2008, though, unfortunately, 2007 was his final year in the big leagues. So that's going to get you nothing and there is nothing on this card that's going to help you. So that's going to be a big, uh, a big goose egg. Or as they say, uh, as they say in cricket, that'll be a dot ball.
1: Wasn't Encarnacion's last year 07 because he took like a foul ball to the face or something?
0: Uh, Let's see. Encarnacion uh, took a foul ball in the face while he was on the on deck circle. He suffered multiple fractures to his left eye socket and missed the remainder of remainder of the season, and then he was going to miss the entire 2008 season. So he went ahead and hung it up.
1: The only reason I remember that is because I remember the video being just ugly.
0: Oh, but he's done. Uh, he has done a lot of good work in the Dominican since his uh, since his retirement. He's uh, been working on a Juan Encarnacion Foundation, which has been doing a lot of good things. He's received a lot of awards for that. Good for him. Uh, next we get a san francisco giant now this is kind of weird because this guy went on to be quite a character had a really 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 big beard that i swear he died just midnight black at the end of his career but here he's a young guy and clean shaven it is brian wilson not of the beach boys
1: oh man brian wilson with one of the great beards of all time Um, In fact, it got to the point where it it had like doubled over and they were starting to call it the thing that ate Brian Wilson's beard.
0: A lot of just for men going on in that beard. I mean, it is is an unnatural black. Uh, His nickname was the beard, three-time All-Star, member of the 2010 World Series team with the Giants. He played for nine years in the big leagues. Most of it was with the Giants, and then uh, two final years with the Dodgers just kind of playing out the string at 31 and 32. He burnt out pretty quick. He did lead the league in saves in 2010 with 48. 2008, he was an all-star. His first all-star appearance, he had 41 saves and an ERA plus of only 95. But uh, he was an all-star this year, and he had a war of only 0.3. Again, nothing on this card, though, is going to help you out. We're not doing facial hair, but he was clean shaven here. Uh, But he was an all-star, so you'll get 0.8 out of that.
1: He had a couple of funny things that happened to him in his career too. Um, Edwin Rodriguez, who was the Marlins manager in 2010, said that his sho- the shoes he was wearing were too bright and he responded by coloring half the shoes black with a marker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> his uh, his entrance music, this I like this one was Jump Around by House of Pain. That makes sense. I mean, that that had to have gotten the crowd into it right away. That's sure. one of those songs. I even just started bobbing my head as soon as I said it.
1: I got to read a quote, man, uh, about the shoe incident. He said the fact that Rodriguez thinks these shoes throw 97 to a hundred with cut might be a little far-fetched. I guess we should probably have these checked for performance enhancing cleats. (laughs) He also stated he was punished for quote, for having too much awesome on my feet unquote. (laughs) I like him even more.
0: I think he, uh, one of these all star appearances, he showed up on the, you know, like the red carpet, the parade wearing uh, a leotard that was made to look like a like a tuxedo. It was yeah, skin tight. It, it did not leave much to the imagination. But yeah, he is. Uh, I think he also has a, a bow tie tattooed on his chest. Like, I mean, he is uh, he is a uh, interesting guy. He's also one of those guys that if he starts to struggle, you you point at all of that as, as things that might be a little distracting. Right. Well, here, he, he says he admitted to dying. Or no, he says he never admitted to dying his beard. He said it's dark because we play a lot of day games. It's tanned. It's focused. OK, uh, this might be the first ever Tampa Ray, Tampa Bay Ray that we've ever pulled. A guy that is still playing. Tried to make a comeback this year. I believe he is currently in Japan pitching for the U.S. national team. It's Scott Kazmier.
1: Didn't he have, like, really good stuff? Like, when he first came up, I remember a lot of hype. Yeah, he,
0: I think he did. Yeah, he led the league in strikeouts in 2007. He led the league in walks in 2005. In 2008, he was an all-star for the second time, so that bodes well for you. Went 12 and 8 with a 3.49 ERA and an ERA plus of 127. And that equates to a war of 3.9. Plus, you're going to get the half a point for the all-star appearance, so that'll be a 4.4 for you. That works. Okay, next, you've got a season highlights card uh, with the Diamondbacks. It is Brandon Webb.
1: Brandon Webb of Arizona.
0: I believe uh, when I was living in Phoenix, I think Brandon Webb was their ace.
1: I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Oh, definitely was.
0: Three-time All-Star, won the Cy Young in 2006. So you just missed out on that. But in 2008... He was an all-star, came in second in the Cy Young for the second year in a row. So he won the Cy in six. And then in 2007 and 2008, he came in second. So, yeah. Wow. But then got hurt. I mean, look at these numbers. He went yeah, 87 impressive. and 62 in seven years, really in six years, because that in 2009, he pitched one game and then his career was over. I mean, these are impressive numbers. In two thousand and eight, he went twenty-two and seven, three point three ERA, started thirty-four games, had a one forty ERA plus, and a WAR of five point
1: six. Nice year, wow! Yeah.
0: So with the All Star, that'll give you a six point one, and that'll bring you up to fifteen point seven.
1: Something very impressive I noticed about him here is, uh, in his years, uh, he the fewest games he started was twenty-eight. 28, 35, 33, 33, 34, and 34 games he started.
0: Yeah, so until the injury that officially ended his career, very durable and very consistent. Yep. All right, so you're down to two cards left here, and you've got your first Hall of Famer. Yay! It is number two for the Yankees, one of your favorite players of all time,
1: Derek Jeter. What can I say about Derek Jeter that hasn't already been said? Multiple times by Yankee fans.
0: <laughs> Derek Jeter, Hall of Famer, Rookie of the Year, 14 time All Star, won five World Series, five gold gloves. That's five too many. Uh, Silver Slugger, five times, was a World Series and an All Star game MVP, nicknamed Mr. November, and in 2008, shockingly enough, was an All Star. Uh, had a, you know, okay year offensively as usual. He hit 300 exactly. Had 11 home runs, only 69 RBI, an OPS plus of 102. And that will equate to a war of 3.0. He's a Hall of Famer though, so you get an extra point for that. So that'll bring you up to four. And he was an All Star, so that'll get you four and a half on that. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out. And that'll bring you up to 20.2. Thanks, Derek, Derek Jeter. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk too much about him. I, uh, I do love to talk about his gift baskets, but we're not going to talk about why he handed those out. <laughs> well,
1: let's just talk about baseball.
0: <laughs> Maybe that'll be a two-strike noise after dark special. All right, you are up to twenty point two. You've got your final card left here. This should be fun. We've never had him before. We've talked about his father multiple times, but we have got a gentleman that has two inside the park home runs in his career. Prince Fielder. I know he has one. I think, I think he's got two, right? I think we've talked about that before.
1: I think so. I think I remember something like that. Uh, an amazing, amazing hitter. Yeah. Career cut short, unfortunately, because of injuries, but, Boy, you could go back and look at it. See, he played 161 or 162 games right during the meat of his career. Very durable, walked a lot, all-around great hitter.
0: And finished with the exact same number of home runs as his father, which is really weird. That's strange. I love seeing, just like, you know, there's a lot of pictures of Vlad Jr. and his father that are circulating right now, you know, when Vlad Jr. was very young at an all-star game or whatever with his father. The same same goes with uh, with Detroit. And, you know, actually that Cecil was almost in the worst trades uh, segment earlier when the uh, Blue Jays sold him to the Hanchin Tigers. You know, I, I didn't really he was sold more than he was traded, so I didn't really include that. But in 2008, Prince Fielder was still with Milwaukee. Typical Prince Fielder numbers here. 34 home runs, 102 RBI. No awards this year. Was not an all-star. Had 130 OPS plus, though, and that equals a war of 1.5. Unfortunately, that is all you're going to get on that card.
1: Hmm. I thought that would come through a little higher war.
0: Uh, I thought it would, too, but that'll uh, total you up at 21.7. Now, I think Prince Fielder is doing some uh like youtube stuff for some reason i want to say he's doing like with his wife or something they're doing like cooking shows or something like that that (laughs) uh was interesting (laughs) Uh, i'm not seeing anything here but i'm pretty sure that he's doing some some stuff that i think is pretty cool but just not something you would think of i mean i guess food and prince fielder you probably put those two together but uh Okay, so um, that uh, will round your score out at twenty one point seven. I think that's beatable.
1: I think it is. We got I gotta hope for a really crummy pack filled with minor leaguer rated rookies who never got to play a second in the big leagues.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's open this up. Reminder that my team is the Hammers and yours is the Guardians. None yes. of them were in the uh, were in the first pack. All right. So I'm going to start off with a guy. Uh, This guy had a pretty good career. He bounced around a bit for somebody with this much talent, but it is J.D. Drew.
1: J.D. Drew. I, you know, I remember him. Wasn't he the number one draft pick? He was the
0: number two overall draft pick by the Phillies in 97, didn't sign. And then the Cardinals took him with the number five pick in the 98 draft the next year.
1: I remember seeing a video of the first time he came through philadelphia and the philadelphia <laughs> you know the philly fanatic he came over with a couple giant bags of money and threw them down in front of him and uh you know i don't think uh, i don't think that st louis liked that very much but i thought it was funny
0: yeah well scott boris was his agent i remember it i remember it now he did not sign Went on to uh, be a member of the uh, 2007 World Series team in Boston, was an All-Star once, and that one time he was the MVP. His brothers, Steven and Tim, both played in the big leagues as well. In 2008, good news for me, that was his only All-Star appearance with the Red Sox, hit 280. 19 home runs, 64 RBIs, a 138 OPS+, plus, and that equals 2.7 WAR plus the uh half a point for the All-Star and get this, he's got sunglasses on.
1: Oh man, so nice. A,
0: yeah, so that's a 3.4 to start out for me. I remember uh he came out he came to the uh to the Hammers while I was working there. But unfortunately, he's not wearing their uniform here. But uh, just for one year, he was always I think he always kind of and I think he brought this on himself by not signing. I think he always just kind of underproduced uh, considering how much hubbub went around him not signing and how much money right. he wanted. But, you know, he had a pretty solid career
1: above average, uh, 14 year career. He had a three eighty four career on base, which is impressive to me. And eight seventy three seventy three ops. But not a bad player. Yeah, Just uh, started off on the wrong foot.
0: All right. Next. Oh, this is good. I like this. And an Oakland native for me. It's J-Roll, Jimmy Rollins.
1: I like Jimmy Rollins.
0: Yeah. Jimmy Rollins, big Ricky Henderson fan, too. J-Roll, born in uh, Alameda, California, right across from the uh, from the Coliseum, was uh, uh, MVP of the league in 2007, so I just missed that. Three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, and a member of the 2008 Philadelphia World Series team. No awards that year, but he was on the World Series team, so that's good for him. Let's see, hit 277 that year, 47 stolen bases that season. Ended up with 470 stolen bases for his career. That's not bad. That's quite good. Let's see, in 2008, ended up with a war of 5.5. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to get me anything. And he didn't have any awards that were counting that year, but that 5.5 will take me up to 8.9 after two cards. I like it. So I told you he grew up here in in the Bay Area, big A's fan, often attended games at the Coliseum, but also he played the trumpet while growing up and was in several MC Hammer music videos during his younger years. (laughs) Nice. So that's very, that's cool. Another another A's tie there, of course, with MC Hammer having been the bat boy and the vice president of the Oakland A's at one point. I'm still trying to get confirmation. I've read and seen several times that Ricky was uh, one of the guys that gave uh, MC Hammer some of that seed money to start his music career.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: All right, next we go to, at this point, they were the Florida Marlins, Here it is, Josh Johnson, pitcher for the Fish. I remember he was uh, was one of those guys that was also a really good pitcher for a a bit of time.
1: Yeah, he definitely had uh, a couple really good years. Uh, He was fairly young when he started, I think, um, but built into a really solid pitcher.
0: Yeah, led the league in ERA in 2010. Yeah, it looked like a pretty, pretty solid. looked like he was probably their number one or two guy around this time. 2008, he only appeared in 14 games, though. Went 7-1, though, with a 3.6 ERA and a 121 ERA+. That equals a war of two. There is nothing on this card that's going to get me anything, and he did not win any awards that year. Okay, so I am at 10.9. Now, I'm excited for this card because this is one of my favorite players I've got a lot of memories of him. I'm not sure many other people have too many of him. It is with the Oakland Athletics. It is first baseman Dan Johnson.
1: Crickets. Well, I, I remember him, just not anything <laughs> about
0: him. Yeah, I mean, this Dan Johnson and Derek Barton were first basemans for the A's for many years, and they were kind of just. Very unassuming. Most people out of Oakland didn't know them. They were pretty solid first basemen. Hit 250, 260. Not a lot of power, but I just always enjoyed them. Uh, Dan Johnson in 2008 played one game with Oakland and then was traded to Tampa, where he only played 10 games there. So I'm not going to get much from this. Uh, played 10 years in the big leagues, four in Oakland, three in Tampa, and then one in several different places. Uh, 2008, though, I'm not going to get much here. Just a one war. And uh, nothing else on this card is going to get me anything. But Dan Johnson, uh, a special place in the bottom of my heart. Very nice. Uh, one of his nicknames was the Great Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. He was a, uh, a ginger fellow. Uh, I never heard that, but it's on the Internet, so it must be true. Also spent some time in uh, Japan with the Yokohama Bay Stars. And uh, boy, I remember this, too. 2016, he signed with the Bridgeport Bluefish of the Atlanta League, Atlanta of the Atlantic League. That's uh, independent league, and uh, he signed as a knuckleball pitcher. Really? Yeah. And then uh, he kicked around to several different independent leagues uh, as a as a pitcher, but never really achieved any success.
1: He gave it another shot as a knuckleballer. I like it.
0: All right. So I have got, uh, let's see, four cards left here, and I'm at 11 even. You are at 21.7. We have got a mariner here. He'll be interesting to talk about the way his career ended. It's Mike
1: Morris. Mike Morris. Wow. Yeah. I almost forgot he was a mariner. The beast. Mike Morris.
0: big dude, 6'5", 245. Came up with Seattle, spent the first four years in the big leagues with the Mariners, the last of which was 2008. He only appeared in five games, so I'm not expecting a whole lot here. Was a member of the Giants in 2014 when they won the World Series. War-wise, in 2008, he was at a straight zero. I just don't think he... Played even close to enough to even uh, warrant anything. And there's nothing on this card that is going to help me out. So uh, not much there. But uh, the interesting thing here, I think, is to talk about how his career ended. He was on the Giants is where he ended his career. Now, do you remember this in 2017... Giants reliever Hunter Strickland plunked Bryce Harper on purpose. Harper charged the mound. Big scrum, obviously, both benches emptied. Morris was playing first base at the time for the Giants. He tried to rush in there to break it up. Giants pitcher Jeff Samarja collided with Morris before they could get there. And Morris actually suffered a concussion because of that and uh, was never able to recover from it. He does not remember the brawl. He doesn't remember what happened after it, and uh, unfortunately, was not able to continue his career after that. <laughs> Going to stick up for his teammate and ended up costing him his career.
1: Yeah, crazy ending to a career. Not 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 good. Um, and you know what? He was a, he was a solid baseball player, and uh, when I was sad when the Mariners uh, didn't sign him or dealt him or whatever.
0: So uh, I am now up to, uh, as I said, 11 even. Now this next card is strange for me because I know this person. I've interviewed him many times. I went to school with this person. He is also one of the few players that was drafted and played in the NBA for many years as well as playing many years in in, uh, Major League Baseball. A graduate from Washington State University, Mark Hendrickson here with the Florida
1: Marlins. Hendrickson did you go to school at the same time
0: yep he was uh, I think he was one or two years younger than I was but he only played baseball at Washington State his senior year but I interviewed him many times uh, because he was uh, on the Washington State basketball team uh, all-conference player there at Wazoo and then uh, one of those guys that when he would come through town uh, playing Atlanta that I would go out and and say hi to and I'm sure he didn't remember me but it made me uh, feel like a big shot so uh, Mark Hendrickson, uh, as I mentioned, played uh, a couple of years in the uh, NBA, also played for 10 years in the big leagues. He was a left-hand pitcher. 2008 was his first year in Florida. He went 7-8 and eight with a 5.4 ERA. He appeared in 36 games, started 19 of them, and ended up with an 80 ERA+. plus. That equals a war of minus 0. 0.7.
1: That's not cool. I thought this guy was your buddy, man. What's I up with that? I thought he
0: was too, but uh six foot nine, two hundred and forty pounds. Only two inches wow. shorter than John Rausch, the tallest player ever in Major League Baseball. Wow. Let's see. Uh in the uh in the NBA, he was a power forward. Uh he was selected by the 76ers in the first round of the 1996 NBA draft. And uh, the Blue Jays took him in the 97th round. In the '97 Major League Draft, he played for the Sixers. He played for the Kings, the Cavs, the Nets. Uh, he kind of bounced around. Uh, had a pretty decent career in the uh, in the NBA, but uh, also uh, came back and then pitched some more in the big leagues.
1: Pro well, wrestling may be his next thing. I mean, he's a, obviously a big athletic guy.
0: Well, he did do some coaching in the minor leagues. Uh, I'm not sure where he is right now. Just hey, give me a call, Mark. Let me uh, let me know what's going on. All right. I'm down to two cards left here. Uh, I'm going to have to I've got some ground to make up. This guy is a uh, came up with the Cardinals, came over to the A's in a big trade. And here he is with the Diamondbacks. It's Dan Heron.
1: Danny Heron.
0: Uh, So Dan Heron was selected in the second round by the St. Louis Cardinals. He ended up being an all star three times in his career, one of which was in 2008. Good for him. Went Mm 16-8 and with a 3.3 ERA and an ERA plus of 138. Very consistent for Oakland. Very consistent pretty much all around. His uh, lifetime ERA is 3.75, and it wasn't until he got into his 30s that his ERA started to jump up into the fours. But when he was starting consistently in his 20s, his ERA was right around three every year. Uh, Would come close to about 200 strikeouts a year. And all of that equates to, in 2008, a war of 6.1. He was an all-star, so that's 6.6 for that year. Thank you, Danny Heron. He came over uh, from the Cardinals with Derek Barton, who I mentioned earlier, and Kiko Calero. The A's sent Mark Mulder to the Cardinals. I remember that was a big trade at the time. Mark Mulder was still a, a very young pitcher with a lot of upside Uh, Dan Heron, a small number, according to the interwebs, of pitchers that collected a win against all 30 major league teams. Wow. Pretty good. He is of Irish and Mexican descent. That's a unique mixture.
1: I like the combo.
0: Yeah. He certainly helped me out more than my my fellow alumnus uh, Mark Hendrickson
1: did. Yeah. No
0: kidding. (laughs) All right. And my final card, and I need about five and a half points of war from one of my least favorite pitchers of all time it is here pictured with the california angels well i guess anaheim angels at this point uh where i really despised him it is john lackey which is a great last name for him uh john lackey a long time man yeah john lackey won three world series in his career how's that fair yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. So he won uh, World Series with Anaheim in 2002, with Boston in 2013, and then with the Cubs in 2016. Also won an ERA title in 2007. If he could have just waited one year, that would have helped me out. In 2008, though, he went 12-5 and 5 with a 3.75 ERA. That's a 119 ERA plus, and that equals a war of 3.5 And there is nothing on this card that is going to help me out anymore and brings me up to 20.4, which is decidedly shorter than your 21.7. Wow,
1: that was a close one, though.
0: That was a close one. Now, let's talk about John Lackey for a minute. The thing I remember most about John Lackey is a little dust up between he and one of my favorite players, Jason Kendall. Uh, This was when (laughs) Kendall was was on the A's. And, you know, Kendall got hit a lot, rough, tough player, uh, had uh, wore some padding on that uh, left elbow, his leading elbow when he was at bat. And uh, one game I remember it was a day game. I was watching it. I was in Arizona at this point and Kendall was up. Lackey was on the mound and these two teams didn't like each other. They would uh, they would always be fighting for the the AL West title at this point. And uh, Lackey threw an inside pitch and Kendall didn't move and it hit him and uh or it almost hit him i I forget whether it hit him or not but lackey didn't like it and kendall said if you don't like it come do something about it and it was on (laughs) and i just i I never liked lackey i don't like looking him out there on the mound and now i like him even less because uh he didn't give me he was like a point short of war
1: so close well you know what though you could go back and and take a look at uh your buddy there uh mark hendrickson Yeah, mark hendrickson did me in he did me dirty. He, he did. He did. He, he got you the negative. That's what killed you.
0: All right. So there you have it. There is another episode of Wax Packs Heroes. That's also going to wrap up this episode of Two Strike Noise. If you cannot get enough of us, and I know there are some of you that can't, uh, you can always find us on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. That is at TWO Strike Noise. Uh, we haven't put anything up on Twitch or YouTube recently, but I'm trying to get motivated to do that. You can find us on either of those, and all of these links are in the show notes as well. Mark, uh, you want to tell them how they can get a hold of us via email?
1: Sure. You can write to us uh, email at two strike noise, TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. I want to thank everybody for all these wonderful emails we've been getting. Love to hear from you. I promise a response. Might take me a bit, but I I promise we'll get back to you.
0: Yeah, we've gotten uh, we've gotten some some very complimentary emails, which is really nice. Also, hey, if you want to do what what our uh, one of our buddies Marshall did last week, he curated some special packs of cards and sent them to us, and we used it in last week's Wax Packs Heroes. We've got another uh, two packs that he created that we'll use here in the very near future. If you want to do that. Uh, we're not adverse to it. Just let us know and we'll tell you how you can get them to us. Uh, just try to make them 10 cards or less. Just maybe throw in some players there that you want us to talk about. Maybe we haven't talked about or there's some fun stories involved. That would be kind of cool to, uh, to have that happen. But uh, that being said, just a reminder that I am going to be out of town. Uh, we will still have shows going on as usual, but uh, not going to be able to ha- talk about Lars Newtbar and what he's doing uh, until i get back so you'll have to put that on the back burner but uh we do appreciate you listening and we will catch you next week on the next episode of two strike noise
1: thank you god bless you have a great day